0: This week, we're going to talk about the heart of truth. So let's pick back up in Matthew chapter 7, in verse 13. Jesus' teaching here, he said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard or difficult that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Now, I would imagine if I was sitting there in that teaching, I'd be thinking, my ear would start leaning in a little bit and say, okay, what's going on here, Jesus? Now, we know that Jesus in his context was speaking to several groups of people and by the way, at that particular time, historians say that you know a lot of these cities were surrounded by walls that people inhabited, and typically there was a gate or, or an entry point into that gate into the city for various reasons, obviously, to protect the city from war and all those type of things as a border line. And so this was an obvious thing when he said, you've got to enter by the narrow gate into the city." That leads to life. And so I would imagine they were picturing the gates that were in that area when he was teaching. And, uh, you know, for us, we think about, uh, let's think about an area we live in, Ocean Springs. There's about, what, four entry points if you're on foot. Well, I guess you could swim, so maybe five entry points, but into that city. But let's just pretend like we're driving. So you got four or five entry points into a city. And how many of you ever been to Key West before? Got some Key West. I remember being a group of guys. We left to go to Key West. We just were going to drive it straight through, and uh, we got down to Miami, had breakfast, and then we got on basically a two-way road, and we rode and we rode and we rode all the way to Key West. And that was the only way of entry. There was no shortcut. It was just you're going to go all the way south. And so this is kind of the illustration that Jesus was speaking of. He said, "There's only one way into this particular area." and it's narrow, and it has two different, two different destinations and two different outcomes and different consequences depending upon the gate that you enter in. And one of them leads to eternal life, right? And one of them leads to eternal destruction. And he said, that gate's wide, and the other one's narrow. One theologian said this, the narrow entrance that leads to life symbolizes the exclusive nature of Christ's kingdom. Paul's right there, meaning there is no other way to heaven. It's open for all, but there is no other way. This is salvation. And then he goes on to say, entrance requires the disciple to do the will of the Father in heaven, and that's lordship. So we know Jesus as Savior, but we know Jesus as Lord, and it takes a lifetime working out lordship in in your life. I don't know about you, but you know I was getting ready this morning, and 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 God is still working in my life as a person. And I said, you know, Lord, search my heart and see if there's anything wicked in you. And 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 I just thought about maybe an attitude I had a few days ago, and I said, Lord, thank you for reminding me of that. That's not your way. That's not the way you would have me go in. And so God. Lord, show me a better way in those moments that I can magnify you, that I can reflect your character, that I can reflect who you are in my life so that I can be a help to others and so that I can glorify you. That's Lordship. And and he says this he says, It's a narrow gate, it's a very small gate, and ease is not promised. Ease is not promised in this gate. A lot of times it's a gate of suffering. A lot of times it's a gate of sacrifice. You know, when I think about history and its context and, 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 and its ramifications, I, I can't help but to think about the early church and the apostles and those who began to build God's kingdom, the new and everlasting way, who was actually under the teachings of Jesus. A lot of them were killed at the stake, sawed in half, cut in two. And a lot of times this is like, Man, ease wasn't promised for them. You know what I'm talking about? And ease is not promised for us. But again, Jesus is that gate. And in John chapter 10, he says it about himself again. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And we know sheep is an illustration of people. And Jesus is the great shepherd. He says, I'm the door. In John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that is a narrow gate, everybody. And that statement has been philosophized over, debated over, and people have been murdered over for centuries and centuries and centuries. It's one way, but it's available to all. That's, that's, that's the gospel. It's one way. You know the scripture, John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that so whoever comes to him shall not perish but have everlasting life. His name is Jesus. He said, I'm the gate. I'm the shepherd. And I'm the way. And it comes through faith and faith in Christ alone. And this is our doctrine that we stand upon as believers. And it's being attacked. And by the way, It's been being attacked for a long time. So don't shudder in your boots when you watch the latest YouTube video. Don't shudder. See, a lot of times, let me get off into a soapbox for a second. We are being led and indoctrinated by news media versus the Word of God. Uh, Come on, you can do better than that. I mean... You know, it took them a little bit longer to read the news back then. I sometimes wish we could go to the old, old days where they had to send the letter on the donkey. (laughs) Man, I think I'd sleep better at night. I don't know about you. Anyways, wide, right? Wide is the way that leads to destruction. And it's not only eternal destruction. I also believe it's a life of wastefulness. It's a life that never counted. And, and, and I believe we should be eternally minded, absolutely, and that's where our hope is, and that's where our hope is. Look, we just said it. Death, where's your sting? We have to remind ourselves of that hope, everybody. Sometimes that hope of eternity is not in a present-day mindset because a lot of times we're not living every day with the end in mind. We're not thinking about death often. And, that, and, and when, you, when I say that, it's almost like it's fearful. Man, this is thundering. Thank you, Lord. No, no I, I thought something was wrong with my microphone, honestly. Um, but anyways, I, it's like, you know, when we, when we talk about death, a lot of times it, it, you, get, you feel fearful. You might have anxiety. You're like, man, I don't want to talk about that, you know. But Jesus, he's our hope. He's our great shepherd. He's the one who leads us by still waters. He's the one who grounds us in eternity. And though we should be eternally minded, there's something for today when we're stewarding this gospel and we're being reflectors of Jesus to the world around us. Meaning God wants to use you today, but there's a promise for tomorrow. And so I think the the, the road of destruction is a life where we actually miss our calling, which our calling is to worship our God and fellowship with him and be a reflector to the world around us. And so not only is it eternal destruction, but it's a life of wastefulness that it could have counted for something. That's what happened to me when I got saved. I, I, I realized that God was real, and, and he spoke three words to me when I opened up the Bible for the first time with faith in my heart because I heard a word from God. He said, I know exactly where you're at, I know where you are, and you're not. Nobody. I just. Knew, God knew my situation. How many know that God knows exactly your situation? He said, "I know who you are. I know where you're at, and you're not going to die right now." That I have a purpose for you, and everything began to change in my life, and I realized that God wants to do something now with me, and God wants to do something now with you. The wide and easy way seeks the approval of man, or self-seeking. It's a life that satisfies the flesh, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And all of those things are so deceptive, they promise you everything and give you nothing. And it says, Why does that path, why does that self destructive path that many are lured into, that many go through, and that many are walking in deception? How many of you in here would say that you're deceived? Lift your hand. Okay, we got a few honest people. Wow, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, the problem with deception is you're deceived. You don't know you are. And that's why we need the word of God. I, I think that that's why the psalmist said, your word is a light to my path. The word is like a mirror, and when we look at it, we see who we really are, but we see who God really is. <laughs> it's a life without Christ. It's a life marked by the consequences of sin now and for eternity. And he's teaching this to the people. And he's really saying that life is made up of choices and life is made up of decisions. And Jesus was acknowledging that. You know, because he said, hey, wide is the gate and narrow is the gate and few are finding it and few are going this way. And you know, didn't God kind of do that in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter two where he said, you shall surely eat of every tree of the garden but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat it you shall surely die God gave the children of Israel two choices as well and he used a leader by the name of Joshua and Joshua mounted the mountain if you would and he said choose today who you will serve and we know the latter part of that scripture cuz a lot of people have it on their refrigerator right but as for me and my house we'll serve the Lord he said choose today In context, he's like, man, you can serve the other gods that your forefathers served and died in the wilderness, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And it was a declaration, it was a proclamation, it was a choice that we as people have through God's sovereignty and through God's grace. And we're going to continue on. Because Jesus, after he talks about being the gate, after he gives this illustration, he begins to then point towards people or he says, beware. I can call this a warning. And he speaks about people who misrepresent the truth and he uses a term called false prophets. Let's pick it up. Matthew chapter seven, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Now you understand what ravenous wolves are. These people are farmers. They got sheep, man. You you don't like a ravenous wolf. They mess your crops up. They mess your sheep up. Now, this is so he's he's probably igniting something in the people. Think about it. When he uses ravenous wolves, you got to understand when you're when you're reading the scripture, why he's saying this. Verse 16, you will recognize them, the ravenous wolves, by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Verse 17, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And again, he's speaking to them in context about things that they were normally used to. They understood bad Trey, I'm not a farmer, you know what I mean? I, I was entertaining the idea of possibly, potentially, maybe trying or even considering planting something in my backyard I could possibly eat. <laughs> it's probably a no, if you see <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's going to... These guys had to eat off the land. So they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we get it. Oh, yeah, ravenous wolves. Oh, yeah, bad fruit. We're cutting it down. there's no good. Yeah, we, we're leaning in now, Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Where, 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 where are you going with this? You know, because also he said, watch out for shepherds in sheep clothing. They're like ravenous wolves. And then back in those days, they did have robbers and thieves. And some historians and commentators say that actually, guys who wanted to take some of your money, which was your sheep, you know what I mean? Because that's how you made a living, they would put on a shepherd's clothing and maybe had some sense, and they'd walk up into that sheep field, and those sheep would be deceived and think, hey, this is my shepherd, their actual real owner who takes care of them, but it wasn't, it was just a false shepherd, it was actually stealing people's sheep, literally. Taking them out of their area and bringing them over to their area, and so you know that really started igniting the people. Then, said, last week somebody stole my sheep. You know what I mean? That's somebody in the audience. You know what I mean? They're like, "Yeah, I preach it, Jesus." I mean, it's like, "Where is that guy?" And he's like, "No, no, no, no." Yeah, ravenous wolves. So let's let's talk about that a little bit because you know, false prophets is used a, a lot and. Sometimes it's used in a good way. Sometimes it's not used in such a good way in in today's times. But it's extreme language. But, But ravenous wolves are those who undermine the body of Christ and ultimately Christ himself through deceptive teachings and lifestyle. You know, I was thinking about you know, when I first gave my life to Christ 22 years ago, you know, um, Pastor Van at that time was the, the senior pastor here. And we used to get cassette tapes, man. We couldn't watch it multimedia. We couldn't go to the website and pick things up, you know what I mean, and just watch it at the touch of our finger. You know what I mean? People are watching YouTube. Nowadays, we got smart TVs that are waterproof in our shower so we can continue the YouTube video. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Crazy, man. You know, I'm talking about waterf- water- waterproof phones so I can shower and do Facebook. I mean, it's like, Wow. Back then it was cassette tapes. And some of you real old people, I guess, what was it before? Cassette tapes. Oh, yeah, nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. I was so excited about Jesus, you know what I mean? And I'm still excited, but I was really excited back then, you know what I'm talking about? I'm trying to, it's like, restore to me the joy of myself. I was like, I'm alive, I'm not dead. You know, and so I used to collect Northwood preaching tapes, the cassette tapes. I had a duffel bag full of them. I think I had about five or six hundred. And I was throwing those things out like candy. I was throwing like Mardi Gras beads uh, on a float. You know what I'm talking about? Everywhere I went, I was dishing out tapes. I called them Brother Van tapes. I (laughs) was... Poor things. (laughs) No, I mean, look. Hey... And um, but 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 I didn't I couldn't just jump on every every show and listen to some kind of crazy person teach or I didn't I didn't I didn't do that. But today, man, with a touch of a button, you 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 can hear teachings quickly that are undermining Christ himself, quickly that, that, that are undermining the lifestyle of Christ. And, he, and, and these teachers are leading a different way. And they're ravenous wolves is what uh, Jesus was calling them. And so, again, thinking about the audience, we talked a little bit of, about the context, but let's talk about the people a little bit. You had, um, you had Pharisees and Sadducees out there in that crowd when they're hearing that. And these guys were teaching uh, legalism. And they were actually pulling away from the grace and the liberty that's, fall, that's, that's found in Christ. So essentially, they were pulling them away. That teaching could begin to pull them away from the way, the truth, and the life. And then, then you had uh, uh, not only Sadducees and Pharisees out there. You had Gentiles, and 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 there might have been people that were teaching lawlessness and no standard, uh, and even false religion. You know what I mean? And, and there was all kind of false religion going on. And so all these things were out there that day. And the same extremes are in. In, in, the, in the world today as well they're just repackaged come on think about it they're just repackaged and you know intellectualized and 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 they're made real real good and and it's all out there it's all the same it's there today and they end up dividing the body of christ versus unifying the body of christ around the essential teachings of christ that's a symptom if you would of bad fruit You'll know them by their fruit. They'll end up dividing rather than unifying around what? Not unifying around me and my thing. Come on, somebody. Not unifying around just the way we do it. you got to do it this way. No, no, no. Unifying around the essential teachings of Christ. It happens. It's out there. It's out there, guys. It's out there, everybody. So if you have your head in the sand, pull it out. And but they prey upon people and they prey upon the church. They do. They prey upon the people and they pray upon the church. And even sometimes they're like sheep with shepherds or shepherds sheep wolves with shepherds' clothing on. Help me, Lord. Can't even speak here. You know what I mean? So they're doing this in the name of Jesus, you know what I'm talking about. And then it's like, man, something ain't right here. And Jesus wants us to discern false teachers and to discern false teachings. But we don't want to arm ourselves. Because we just read, we, we don't want to be judges, but we want to be discerners. And we, got to, you know, we don't want to arm ourselves to annihilate people. We, we, we want to equip us to discern what's going on. I remember when I first got saved again, you know, because I was thinking about this message. And, again, somebody couldn't just share a YouTube video with me with a false teacher on it that, that just really got into my senses and all that. And it, just, it just didn't happen. It wasn't available. And so I was still maturing in my faith and being grounded in the word of God. But, hey, look, I was a newborn baby in Christ. I had only been saved for a year or something. And I remember I used to wait tables. And I had, I mean, if I didn't have it five times, I had it 50 times at least. Very intentional people coming back, asking for me, handing me pamphlet literatures, calling me to come to a place that it was just sounded weird that they did. I don't know where it was. And I, I had it multiple times, but they claimed to be Christians. And I didn't understand what they were doing. It was just strange. But in my, in my, in my heart of hearts... The Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, I just, it, something didn't bear witness in my spirit that I, I discerned this wasn't from God. You know what I mean? Now, I'm already a tough person, you know what I mean, to just mess around with. But it's like just because just my persona and personality is the way I am. I'm aggressive. And, um, you know, and, it, and it's like, now no, something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with you. And they came multiple times and brought people. Tell them they're praying for me. You know what I mean? I've had that extreme to the whole other extreme where, 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 where there where is a whole nother religion. And all of these things kept coming at me. And then I remember people coming with certain doctrines and, 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 and annihilating maybe what I believe, trying to tell me that I'm lost and deceived. It, 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 but you know what? There was something inside of me that helped me discern that this isn't right. Have I any you know what I'm talking about? It's just like some people call it gut instinct. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about discerning of spirits. We're talking about now that I'm bought by a price and I'm found in Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit in me, which is the hope of glory. And that Holy Spirit now leads me and guides me all into all truth. And the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom and say, "Hold up a second. I better measure a couple more times here before I listen to old, old whoever he is again, her again. I'm not sure." So let me. But but so so I said all that to say that we want to discern false teachings, we want to discern false teachers. But I want to give you some disclaimers before we get into some fundamental things of discerning false prophets, because that that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, info, and that we can't get it all done in one week. But here's a disclaimer for you. Some people with zealousness for truth. Can overdiagnose what a false prophet may be based on. What, they can overdiagnose of what a false prophet is based on their understanding of what essential what, what essential doctrine is, and what non-essential doctrine is. And so, if 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 they become too overzealous, they can begin to call someone a false prophet, and it might not be a false prophet. Just a disclaimer. Now, we should be accountable as pastors and we should help one another. And Paul told Timothy that rightly divide the word of truth. Keep working on your doctrine. Keep working on your doctrine. And by the way, I've probably said things and uh, maybe you have too. I'm sure all of us have said things that weren't 100% absolute biblically accurate. Raise your hand if you're with me there before. We're doing the best we can right now and saying, oh God, help me in fear and trembling, honestly. I mean, honestly. I'm like, you know, God, uh, hope we're doing this properly. Literally, that's our prayer. I mean, you know, we got resources, we got commentary, we got history, we got Bible management software. We've got we you know we can pull up a thousand books with a touch of, of a finger, but it's still like, oh God, you know, <laughs> help us get it right, Lord. But people with o- o- overzealousness can accidentally call something a wolf that's not a wolf. It's a disclaimer. It's just a disclaimer. Another one is some people can be overly dogmatic about doctrine and methodologies that may not be biblically bulletproof or essential to people's ability to be faithful to Jesus. It can happen. It can happen on accident. I I, I think, you know, we say it a lot. I think we can accidentally move into error and begin to criticize and call something not God that might be God. And it's a tough little, it's a, hey, if you like tightrope walking, that's your lane. <laughs> now, t- collectively, we need to discern and we need to watch out and we need to warn. But we're very, very careful about, we, we, you know, we're not calling out other churches here. We don't do that. And uh, uh, we, we're very, very very careful about that. And we're doing the best we can to hold the sound doctrine. That's why it's so important to be a part of a community, but be accessible to all the resources in the world. Yes, read. Yes, study. Yes, pray. Yes, look at different perspectives. I mean, there's so many different camps underneath the umbrella of dome that follow the essential doctrine, but their methodology might look a little bit different. Or they have some non-essential doctrine that's a little bit different from ours that's fine, you can understand that's great But it's good to be in a safe place with people who love you who, People who know you, who you can pray with somebody And say, let's talk about this Let's look at this a little bit further I recommend everybody get a study Bible you know, I recommend everybody try to get books where they can understand the Hebrew and the Greek And understand word studying and history that goes along And, and, and study, and, and learn the word of God But pray, Lord, give me discernment Give me discernment so here's what we want to do. We want to be uncompromising with essential doctrines and, 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 and that are completely and clearly biblical and have been tested and studied for centuries. That's what we want to do here as a church. That's what, that's what the staff pastors want to do, just to let you know. So let me give you just a few introductory tools to maybe conclude on what is false teaching. Now, this is just introductory stuff, Okay. How to identify false teaching, number one, it's a different message. It's a different message. So, you know, when you're listening to content or you're reading, you're reading literature or anything else that you're studying, you're opening your mind and your heart up to the thing, and, and, and I think we should test all things. And, I, and, and you know, some things are... are, 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 are uh, you know things that we can redeem if you would this historic historical context It might not be biblical literature but it's it's just history i can read all those things but i'm 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 spit, I, we have i have an old saying we have an old saying it's not, nothing new we chew up the meat and spit out the bones you know it's like man there's some bones in this book but that's okay we you know we we've learned a few things but be careful but where does the message come from you got to consider the source a lot of times you need to look at the author. You, you gotta, sometimes it's good to look at the bibliography. By the way, here's a little trick for you guys, for you esteeming authors and writers. Go to every famous good book out there and turn to the back and look at their wide range of bibliography that they pieced together and made another great puzzle from their great standpoint. It's, it's wonderful. Look at bibliographies. Where's the source come from? Does the teaching come from the truth proclaimed in the scripture? If not, measure it twice, right? Consider the context. We talked a little bit about context. I I, I, I demonstrated it today when we were talking about Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Consider the context. And you're going to ask yourself this question, is Jesus central in that teaching? Is Jesus central in that teaching? And and let me give you some terms that people use in the interpretation world or the Bible study world uh, 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 when we talk about considering the context and is Jesus the main idea, if you would. And it's eisegesis. It means I'm taking word and verse out of context and I'm making it work and I'm formulating doctrine. That's eisegesis. It's not good. I may have done that before in their prayer life? It's like, yes, Lord, I did, yes. And you're quoting a scripture and then you read the whole chapter. And like, oh, my God, that was the wrong scripture to be quoting, Lord. <laughs> you know, you're taking scriptures out of context. I heard, I heard somebody do it this week, you know, and it, it was like, oh, my God. Ah, that wasn't, man, Lord, help them. You know what I mean? Taking it out of context. Just one, one little thing taken out of context. Here's a new word that people are using in, in the theological realm, and it's narcissism. Let me explain. No, it's like what is that? You know, it's not even the dictionary yet. I don't believe, but it's trending. That, that's how, that's how things happen. By the way, you know what I mean with new words now. The urban dictionary. I mean, we've got every, these new words are being invented in, with multimedia, and then they make it to you know the dictionary. <laughs> Narcissus is bending the scriptures to say everything is about you and for you and through you. Uh oh. Oh or taking it out of context for selfish gain. Wrong ambition happens. But we want to exegesis, we want to rightly divide the verse of scripture by the full counsel of God, meaning we want to look at God's full counsel from Genesis to Revelation. We want to look at the entire chapter. We want to look at the entire book of the Bible. We want to look at the entire people group. We want to look at what the original intent was for the hearers. You, this good hermeneutics, right? You, you peel in that layer of that orange, and, and then you can sit back and say, huh, okay, I, I get, I get where, that, where, where they're coming from there. It's very safe to do, everybody. And guess what? <clears throat> you can, there is some great Bible study tools out there that represents this that will help you very much. But, but that, that's the thing. We've got, we've got to say, where's the source of this message? Number two, different fruit. Talking about how to identify false teaching, different message, different fruit. What does the message actually produce, right? What does the preaching and the teaching, what is it producing? Is it conforming you into the image of Jesus? That's the question. Is is it like, ooh, man, I'm being conformed into the image of Jesus. Is the teacher's character in line with Christ and the fruit of the Spirit? Mm. Are they a living testimony? different fruit. You know, when I first gave my life to Christ, it was really extreme, really, really, really extreme, black and white. I mean, it was, the, it was no gray area. I mean, I was, I was crazy, still crazy, but real crazy, and, and just going headlong into a life of just craziness. You know, I call it frat party 101, on one and we never graduate, you know what I'm talking about. It was just rah! Boom, I encountered Jesus. Nobody knew I did. I was offshore. I opened the Bible first time. And the next time somebody saw me, because I disappeared off that grid, and I was on another grid, nobody knew where I was. Nobody knew what happened. We didn't have safe on Facebook. Still safe. Whatever it is. What is it called when storms come in? Mark safe. There was no mark safe. They're like, Stokes disappeared. Is he dead? Did somebody murder him? Is he in the Mississippi River somewhere? Honestly. Honestly. Nope, nope, God plucked me out of darkness and put me in the light, and I was offshore, and then I came to the church, and I got saved, and I gave my life to Christ, and the next time they saw me, I said, Jesus! They said, oh, my God, he ate too much acid. (laughs) True story. Now, one year passed, Jesus. Two years passed, Jesus. Three years passed, I'm not in a sane asylum, Jesus. You know what I mean? Four years past Five years, Jesus. Ten years, Jesus. Fifteen years, Jesus. Twenty-two years, Jesus. He said, they will be a living testimony, and you'll know them by their fruit. How many of you know when I first started preaching to people, they didn't listen. They just started sweating. They said, we, we, but after about five, ten years, 15 years, they said, man, Guess what started happening? When they're dying in the hospital, the family calls me. When they're in prison, they tell their friends, remember that guy in the testimony, Jesus. You'll know him by their fruit. There'll be a living epistle. They ain't going to be perfect. I just, said, I just showed you my. I'm not a perfect guy, but I'm... I'm right there with you on my hands and knees. I'm not no better than you. God, continue to conform from to the image of Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord. You know what I'm talking about? Different fruit. Number three, different incentive. Why should you listen to the message? Is it promising you everything if you listen to me? You know what I'm talking about? If it's a different incentive, you've got to consider the content. Is the content of the teaching of Jesus leading you to a life of surrender and sacrifice and perpetual repentance and doing things for the glory of God? Good question. Different incentives. How to identify a false teacher. Different destinations. Number four, different def- destinations. Where does that message ultimately lead you? Where did that book ultimately lead you? Where did that person try to ultimately lead you? Think about that. Where were they leading you? Consider the roadmap. Do they consistently lead you to the narrow path that's found in Jesus and the lifestyle of a witness of God? It's very simple. It's really not that complicated. But there's so many itching ears that are not, the, the, the Bible says the word of God is like a seed and some seed fail, fell on good soil. Come out, the soil is the heart. Some seed fell on good soil and it gained root and it stayed. When the winds blew, when every wave of doctrine came to the house, that plant remained in the word, that plant remained in Jesus, but some seed fell along the path where it didn't gain much root. And so the seed of the word of God was being sown at that time. The seed of the word of God is being sown now. And it said that that because it fell on the path and the ground was hard and not fallow yet, that it didn't have much root. And it said it grew up quickly. It was excited quickly. It was, I'm going to take the world over quickly. And it didn't have much root in itself. And when the sun came and the wind came, it scorched that plant. And that's why we want to be as people. Lord, let the soil of my heart, God, let, let me receive your word with humility. God, let me receive your word with brokenness. God, let me approach your throne of grace, God, knowing that you're for me and not against me, but God, that I am utterly dependent upon you. That, that, that God, you're, you're everything and I need you. Does the teachings consistently lead you through that? Narrow gate, do they point to an accurate portrait of biblical Jesus? Do they point to a loving and abiding relationship with him? Or do they lead you away from the heart of Jesus? And I think that's what Jesus was saying. He says, Narrow is the gate. I always have this picture in my mind, and you know, God does give us a mind and an imagination, and it's like this narrow gate. And you're looking at this narrow gate, but you can't really see what's on the other side of it. You know what I'm talking about? You don't know. You've got to trust. You've, you, 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 you've, got, you've got to trust this truth. You've got to trust this gospel. You've got to cash in, right? But there's this glorious openness once you go through this door. It's a city whose maker is God. It has streets of gold. And, man, but you can't see it. You can, it's just the door. And you know the door is bloody. And the door looks like suffering. The door looks like pain, and the door looks like relinquishing my rights. And then you get a little closer to the door, and, and, and you realize that, there's, that, that, that the door is the cross. And Jesus bore all that pain, and He bore all that grief. And he bore all that suffering, and he bore all that life that we lived, and he remembered our sin no more. And on the other side of that bloody cross is resurrection. And that gate's narrow, but on the other side is a city whose maker is God, and it's a big place. And then I have a picture in my mind of a wide gate. And it's got these paintings on them, and it's alluring. It's it's, it's drawing you in it. It looks like it's glitter, and it looks like it's gold, but it's the counterfeit Anybody ever been robbed by a counterfeit jewelry before? You know what I'm talking about. It starts to tarnish. It looks good. It looks real. It looks like the real thing. It's counterfeit. And then you go through this wide gate, and it's a narrow, dark place. And many find it. And what that does to me, it breaks my heart. It it, It says, Lord, ignite my heart for your loss. Close your eyes with me right now. God, ignite us in your love, in you and for you and through you to be a living epistle. To be reflectors of Jesus. To bear fruit, God, that doesn't wither in season and out of season. Lord, I'm praying that you would let the word of God go deep today into our our hearts, God. Any rocky soil, any, any hard soil, Holy Spirit, I'm praying, God, that we would fall upon the rock and be broken. Surrender right now. Lord God, do a work in me. Some of you are following Christ and, and look, solidify their salvation, Lord. Bear witness that they're sons and daughters of God. Lord, we're praying. I'm praying right now today, 22 years ago, I gave my life to you. I'm praying right now today that, God, your word would take root in me. That I would be reminded of your word. That I would frame my life on your word. That I would agree with your word. That, Lord, it would still bear fruit, God. That it would still go deep. Any rocky soil in my heart, God, would you rout out? Help us, Lord. That's what we're praying. God, thank you for ministering to your people. You are the great shepherd, God. We are your sheep. I'm praying for those in the room right now, those who are watching online right there in Long Beach. For those of you who said, I need Jesus. I need to go through that gate. Today is your day of salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You can only accept it. Romans chapter 10 says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And that's you. Lord, we confess you. I'm just helping you out right there. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I give you my life, I relinquish my will, God. I submit to you. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, He remembers your sin no more. That's something to give Jesus a hand for. Come on, everybody, let's give it up for Jesus.